Welcome to Fishing Forward, a podcast inspired by fishermen for fishermen that focuses on health, safety, and staying ship shape in the commercial fishing industry. Fishing Forward is brought to you by the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety and by the Coastal Roots Radio Team at the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada. I'm your co-host, Hannah Harrison. And I'm Phil Loring. In this podcast, we're exploring how fishermen can be thought of as professional fishing athletes. That is, that the nature of their work demands the same high level of mental focus, training, and physical acuity that one might expect from a professional sports athlete. Throughout this series, we're using that lens to understand the many facets of fishermen's minds, bodies, and well-being, and we're digging deep into tough questions around issues that are critical to the fishing industry. This is part two of our episodes on pain, pain management, and the challenges that fishermen face in dealing with the physical and psychological pain that can sometimes accompany stressful and lonely commercial fishing lifestyles. Last episode, we heard from fisheries researcher Scott Fulmer, who lives and works in a fishing community in Massachusetts and has studied how pain in the commercial fishing industry can lead to some pretty serious outcomes. This time, we're hearing from a person whose work involves the care and support of fishermen in Alaska's southeast region. Now, a quick content warning for our listeners. In this episode, there are mentions of drug and alcohol use, alcohol and substance use disorders, and financial debt. I'm Gordon Blue. I am currently the rector of Holy Trinity Episcopal Church in Juneau, Alaska. Gordon got his start hand trolling in Washington State as a teenager. He went on to fish in the Bering Sea as a crabber, where at that time, he was surprised by what he saw as a lack of attention to safety. When I went out to the Bering Sea that first time, I was appalled. The boat I was on had a, had a life raft. I made sure of that, but that was about it. And they didn't really maintain it, and uh, nobody knew anything as far as I could see, about staying safe. It was more about um, just getting out there and catching the most, grabbing, grabbing the most that we could. So I've been interested in fishing vessel safety from that time and involved in it from shortly after. Following his experiences as a fisherman, Gordon eventually bought his own boat and felt motivated to get more involved in boating and fishing safety in Alaska. I had the, um, the the drive to really get interested in safety things. So I was uh, a member of the North Pacific Fishing Vessel Owners Association Safety Board. And then I later moved to Sitka and joined the AMC board. I am really glad for the effort we've taken to try to improve safety. A lot of that was about getting equipment, uh, about uh, getting uh, some regulation established, Fishing Vessel Safety Act being uh, the key piece, and then about getting the regulations enforced. One of the things that used to happen all of the time with crab boats in the Bering Sea and North Pacific was they would ice up or they would just have too many pots aboard and get into weather and stability would become an issue and they'd tip over and sink with all hands. And uh, in the Fishing Vessel Safety Act, there was a provision um, that affected that, but it wasn't enforced for years. So getting that enforcement um, 
was a ticklish problem too. During our conversation, Gordon reflected on how the impacts of fishing on his health extended beyond the fishing boat and well into his personal life. And one of the things that happened to me is that I began to be compelled to look at my own behavior and address some of the things that were happening to me. My family uh, has suffered a bit from alcoholism in every generation I'm aware of. Um, and uh, usually that's actually quite an acute problem. And I, began, I became made aware of the fact that I had developed a drinking problem. And recreational drugs were part of the fisheries. I don't think they were actually recreational. People used them as a professional crutch. So that was mixed in there too. And uh, in 1989, toward the end of the year, I decided to become sober. And that decision was, uh, was compelled by um, my family and uh, the family didn't survive that. I ended up divorcing after that and went through a whole lot of wreckage. But I continued to fish. Um, and I continued to advocate for safety and continued on my reckless political path in sobriety. In Gordon's case, he eventually left the fisheries and wondered, as I think many do, what do I do next? And that's the time in which my uh, more than casual active church life turned into an important factor in my life. And I ended up in the condensed version, entering seminary and becoming ordained and and began uh, as a leader in parish life, first as an assistant priest in Sitka, where I served for almost seven years. And then in Kodiak, I was the interim priest at St. James for three years. And then I came to Juneau eight or nine years ago. And I've been here since as the uh, rector here at Holy Trinity, which is about two blocks from the state capitol. Gordon mentioned earlier seeing fishermen using substances as a professional crutch of sorts, which reminds me very much of our last episode where researcher Scott Fulmer talked about the pain pipeline in fisheries and where efforts to manage job-related pain can leave fishermen vulnerable to developing substance or alcohol use disorders. I think it's important to remember here that pain isn't just a physical sensation. It can also be a pain of the heart or of the mind. I'm going to play a few minutes of tape here where I think Gordon does a really nice job describing what life on a fishing vessel can really be like. What's most often involved is a relatively small population of people, a crew on a boat, who work together in very um, tight quarters and close circumstances for extended hours, and they're away from home. So there are all these multiple factors of exhaustion and loneliness and peer uh, involvement. Crews become very tight. If they're working properly, they, um, they almost choreograph their movements to work together. And it, it varies from fishery to fishery, how active the work is and so forth. All of them that I'm aware of, even on large vessels with processing crews, large crews, um, share these aspects of close confinement with others uh, and brutal at times conditions um, that are 
crowded, as I said, and that um, tend to either bond people or to exacerbate interhuman conflict. And uh, they're away from home. So loneliness plays a big part in this too. What's available uh, when we come to port is often um, just what's within walking distance of where the vessels make deliveries and and take stores and stage their uh, activities. So often um, it's the nearest bar or a favorite haunt if you figure out how to get there. I did a lot of business in bars in the old days. I hired crew from bars. I met people there. I, I um, met other skippers and we talked about the the work and uh, the, where to go and how to do it. And, and so it was uh, a professional thing as well, you know, or so I thought. I didn't notice that a lot of those guys actually didn't hang out in those places because a lot of us did. All of that um, makes it more acceptable, I suppose, to bond over the use of substances. You know, listening to this is both familiar and unsettling, Hannah. You and I have both spent a lot of time in fishing communities where bars are more or less the center of the action for anybody fishing in that fishery. I know exactly what you mean. You know, my hometown in Alaska, uh, it's a fairly significant fishing port, and it has an unofficial town slogan of a drinking town with a fishing problem. And one of our key landmarks is a bar built into the base of a lighthouse right next to the harbor. In Gordon's experience, substance use on board boats really did become less publicly accepted as his career went on. But he described how that, in some cases, that caused that substance use to actually become hidden. People uh, were prohibited from bringing uh, drugs and alcohol aboard after a certain point in our in the development of the safety regulations. So, um, you know, everybody put up stickers that said, no drugs tolerated. And so people wouldn't hide them. Although the quarters are confined, people still, uh, their personal property is respected. And so there was always the likelihood that people would smuggle their stuff aboard and use it quietly, even if it wasn't tolerated. It's a safety issue, obviously. Impairment of any kind is a critical element in marine casualties. And in, uh, tiredness alone is a source of a lot of that. But if you add into it impairment from substances, stupid things happen. And they happen quickly. In that environment, uh, it, that's one of the attractions of it to those of us who like to keep moving. It's it moves. Things happen quick in most fisheries. Uh, but when they go wrong, a little dash of impairment added to the mix, uh, I think, increases the severity quite a lot. From all we've learned on this podcast about the many risks posed by commercial fishing, impairment from substance use could certainly make a risky situation much worse. Yeah, I also want to take note of what Gordon says here about the tight-knit nature of some fishing crews and how sometimes substance use, even at a casual level, like having a drink together, for example, it can be an important part of bonding that crew together and creating relationships on board that actually help support a safe working environment. 
we know that fishing can be lonely work far from families and communities. And so it makes those onboard relationships all that much more important. And when people see um, their crewmates in trouble, when, when it's a tight crew with, with close relations, it's difficult for them to address. Uh, just as in families, it's difficult uh, to know what to do. Um, and you put that, that key figure feature of employment on the line, um, um, they, people can start working together to hide things from the employer, even when there's testing, figure out ways around the system. I don't, I'm not wanting to bring a lot of judgment to that. It's what happens. It's what happens, and it's a difficult thing, and how to address that is what I'd like to focus on. One thing we know from past interviews is that all fishing seasons come to an end, and many fishermen then go back home to friends and family who are not part of the fishery themselves. We know that that transition from boat to shore can sometimes be challenging, and I imagine it's made all the more difficult if a fisherman is struggling with an alcohol or substance use disorder. You know, these days, Gordon is working on the shore end of that boat to shore equation. So I asked him to reflect on how he sees that sometimes difficult transition play out. One of the things that can happen is that people in the crew become so focused on the activity of the vessel and, and life with the crew and life, life fishing that there is no life off the boat. They um, get off, go spend their money. If they have to, find another job and go on uh, to the next season. It can become a vicious cycle. We probably suffer a little less from this syndrome nowadays, but it used to be that a guy would get off with a huge payoff and uh, disappear for a while and then come back and, and we'd start hearing these stories about how much different people owed the IRS. And so, um, one of the things I've seen happen is along with substance use and trips to the Far East and whatever, um, people would be compelled to come back and, and try to find a job where their income wouldn't be reported because the IRS would be on them. So you start to notice those things. People become more and more desperate. Um, they have to make that next season. It has to be of a certain size, you know, a big one, and, and, and that's very relative. And uh, they become pretty unhappy, a lot of them, uh, being stuck aboard. I'd like to have that life elsewhere, but it doesn't exist any longer. That is a tough place. The uh, loneliness only grows. What is available, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things available but they all involve some kind of community, some kind of outreach to another human being. And we don't actually emphasize that so much in, uh, in most of the crews that operate uh, in distant waters. Gordon made an interesting comparison between the nature of fishing lifestyles and the isolation that most people have experienced at one time or another during the COVID-19 pandemic. I think the fishing industry actually is uh, sort of a, a model of the kinds of uh, problems we've seen with, this, with the 
increase in drug fatalities during during the isolation of this pandemic. It's almost like living in that bubble that people have established in the last few years to try to stay healthy and found that their mental health deteriorates. So hearing all this makes me wonder, what can we do to keep fishermen safe in their hearts and minds, both on the boat and when they return to shore? Well, you know, that's a good, if very challenging question. For Gordon, he says that his own sobriety has been supported by 12-step programs, as well as his network of other sober fishermen and community members. In thinking about fishermen who are still in the industry, Gordon says an important first step is finding the right place to work. So what can we do? Well, the first thing is try to find a job on a good boat. Everybody knows that. Uh, Well, there's a lot of competition for that, and we don't really know about the conditions aboard those boats uh, from the beach. You can talk to people and hear rumors, but it's hard to know. So I think um, for me, uh, it's really important to uh, emphasize the good work that AMSI and NPFVOA have done with safety, because at least there is a, a network of safety instruction and instructors that can help people um, stay a little bit in touch with the reality of the necessity to be safe and to practice um, a sort of a set of professional standards. We are very independent in the fisheries, and it's a good place to go if you want to just not have people telling you what to do, except, of course, for your crewman and the skipper and the rest of the world, but it feels like a good place to go and be independent. So it's really important, though, to maintain that some kind of connection with that reality that you're not all together on your own and that um, the support that's available, although distant, um, has to be maintained. Now, I think it's important here that even as substance and alcohol use disorders become better understood, there's still such a stigma involved for many who want to seek help. Yes, um, if you need help with addictions and mental health, you need help and you should seek it. And it seemed so many times that 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 was packed with so much shame that people are unable to reach out for it. And that needs to be addressed. And I think we can do that. I'm very um, happy that NIOSH and others are involved in researching this so that we can perhaps find better ways um, of spreading that word. Gordon mentions a group called NIOSH there, which is the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. And fortunately for us, is a partner to this podcast. Another key element to safety from Gordon's point of view is staying safe and avoiding injuries so that the alcohol or substance crutches that Gordon mentioned earlier just never become necessary. One of the things that I feel strongest about is still safety on deck. Developing um, safe methodology, the best kinds of equipment and avoidance of uninformed and casual losses caused by ignorance or carelessness. You know, we have to meet the rigors of the environment with a pretty rigorous approach to avoiding injury. 
Because once a person is injured, particularly with back injury, they continue trying to function in the fisheries. Um, there's a slippery slope that involves those substances. Gordon also mentioned what he calls a regime change of attitudes towards safety in the fishing industry. I think we are approaching a, we'll call it a regime shift, since that's what we used to use in climate change discussions, um, of understanding about um, not only how the impacts of addiction and impairment uh, manifest in all over the place, but in fisheries in particular, but the fact that we have to treat them as chronic conditions. They are addiction to all sorts of substances and uh, and then the conditions of loneliness and, and isolation and so forth that occur in the industry. These are chronic conditions that we have to treat with techniques that work. This issue of treating alcohol and substance use disorders as chronic conditions is interesting, and it really requires perhaps a change in mindset about how we best address them. Yeah, in our conversation, Gordon actually made another comparison that I thought really brings the issue of short versus long-term thinking in fisheries to light, and it forces us to think about fisheries sustainability in terms of not only the fish, but the human component as well. In a lot of respects, uh, fishing has been treated like warfare. It's short term, get out there, get that season, get done. <laughs> and, but the warfare never ends. There's one season after another. There's, a, there's one battle after another. And we really need a different approach, one that's not only allied with the sustainable fisheries necessity, but that provides for that human aspect that's lacking. So no easy fixes, but there are, there's hope and there are a, a lot of uh, developing, there's a developing assistance uh, mentally and physically in this. Usually we wrap our episodes with some take-home messages, but this time I want to give the floor back over to Gordon to explain that the most important way that we, the public, can begin to alleviate the problems that we've talked about in this episode is to establish communities of support around those who are willing to brave the waters to bring us our seafood. How can uh, associations of fishing people form beneficially for their members and persist? is really a local um, problem to be solved. But as different ports evolve, uh, more effective community support for the people involved in fishing, I hope we can keep sharing those things so that they benefit everyone. It's about community. It's um, one of my sad uh, tasks is we provide burial services for all who would like it. And many of the people that I've buried in the last six years have been people who have been living on the street, who were formerly at least somewhat and often very involved in fisheries. That's a hard way uh, to end life. We need, we need to work on our communities. Thanks for joining us today. In this episode, you heard from Gordon Blue, 
former commercial fisherman and rector of the Church of the Holy Trinity in Juneau, Alaska. If you or someone you care about is struggling with alcohol or substance use, please check our show notes for resources that may help. Fishing Forward is a production of the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety and Coastal Roots Radio at the University of Guelph. We love to hear your feedback. You can share your thoughts with us via email at fishing at necenter.org. That's fishing at N-E-C-E-N-T-E-R dot Or you can leave us a voicemail by calling 607-221-4448. And of course, you can also visit us on the Fishing Forward podcast webpage at www.coastalroots.org forward slash fishing forward pod that we do our best to bring you accurate information and lived experiences in this podcast. Please remember that all of the health-related information presented here is the opinion of the interviewees, and it should not be interpreted as licensed medical advice. As always, talk to your physician about your own health needs and circumstances. Fishing Forward is funded by the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety. We also receive support from the Alaska Marine Safety Education Association, Oregon State University, the Pacific Northwest Agricultural Safety and Health Center, Fishing Partnership Support Services, the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, the NORA Agriculture, Forestry and Fishing Council, the Southwest Center for Agricultural Health, Injury Prevention and Education, and the Local Catch Network. Stay sailing.